Okay, Lindsay, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's great to be here. And congratulations on your new role. I think you're about a month in, right? I am. I'm right in my fourth week. So very excited to be here. And I'll assume, uh, I'll assume one of the uh, first things you had to do with your job is come up with a cocktail party definition of UDL. That's one of those great education acronyms, uh, where I would nod knowingly and be like, what exactly is that? I don't know, <laughs> but I will pretend <laughs> that, that I know. Uh, so maybe you can start us off by telling us a little bit about that and how you found yourself a cert. Absolutely. Um, and I think, boy, why we are like steeped in acronyms in this world, right? And between, you know, I'm based in DC and between the government acronyms and the education acronyms, <laughs> it's a lot. So happy to talk about universal design for learning, UDL. And I think, um, I almost feel like we should do a contest around the best cocktail definition of that. Uh, that's not a bad idea, Kevin. Uh, but to me, it means three things and it's about helping learners and designing your lesson, whether it's for a K-12 learner or an adult learner, designing your lesson with variability in mind. And so thinking through engagement, multiple means of engagement, multiple means of representation, and multiple means of action and expression. It's about intentionally designing your lesson plan for variability. And we have seen the need for that in the pandemic more than ever, although I would argue it's always been there. Yeah. And I know you've, you've had a number of positions in which you've been attached to this idea and this principle. Talk a little bit about your work in the past and how it led you to this new position. Yeah. I have worked in disability advocacy, education advocacy for probably over 20 years in a lot of different ways as an attorney representing school districts and parents. And then really as a lobbyist and as a policy leader, trying to think through ways to make the law work for everybody better. And I've seen so many barriers and so many of the same barriers um, that I was really drawn to cast, especially after the pandemic, um, because of its work trying to break those down. And its real core concept of learners are variable. You know, in education for so long, and I believe you can see this in our schools and you can see it in the laws that structure are a lot of the operations in our day-to-day, you can see the factory model of education. You can see it in the structures that we're putting in place. And it's not working, and it's it doesn't honor all of the minds that we need to be um, unleashing. And it really, um, so that experience of working with and seeing those systemic barriers, um, I'm excited to be at CAST to attack them, to join this team and, and say, this is, you know, we have so, we created the system, right? Let's make sure it's, we can easily create a better one. Yeah. I mean, so many of the conversations I've had over the past two years where we're, you know, bemoaning to the obvious catastrophe that has occurred, but a lot of education leaders saying, this is the moment that you, you talk about the system that has been created and, and we didn't have to blow it up. COVID-19 did, right? I mean, mm-hmm. so it was taken out. Um, the greatest beta test in education history, remote yeah. learning, so many different things changed. Um, I'm starting to get the creeping realization that we might be sliding back to the way things used to be a little bit. What do you, th- what do you, what do you think about that? You know, I think 
our educators are exhausted. Our, our systems are, it truly are exhausted. And I think what you're feeling in that, I, I hope that's not the case, but I think what we are seeing is we need to invest in those people running schools are people businesses, right? Any learning program, it's about the people. We have to invest in them and they're exhausted. So I think there's a, an, a pent up excitement in a lot of the people who look at systems that's like, This is a moment for change because it's been so disrupted. And I think the people in the schools are like, I'm getting through the next hour and then I'll get through the next one. So we've got to bridge that because it both of those are valid. It is a moment for change, change that's been needed, but it, it won't happen without the people. Yeah. Um, Talk a little bit about um, going back to the UDL framework and the application of it. Um, over the years, I've seen it directed towards educators, towards the, the districts themselves. But when you look at the industry side, I mean, it's almost as important for them to consider the framework as mm-hmm. they're putting it in for the, for their products and services, right? And there was another huge shift that, that occurred that spring where curriculum providers opened up and gave out their content for free, right? I mean, there, there was a definite seismic shift in the way that the industry and, you know, works with schools mm-hmm. um talk a little bit about where your intention is for the framework to be applied is it is it more has it always been there for the industry or is it maybe more important now than ever well you're so right about what happened i couldn't agree more with that and and how exciting an opportunity that is for everyone the opening of those um and no i think it's absolutely both it's professional learning and it's products and by products i'm using a, that in the broadest term Our professional learning work, so this is like our learning team of amazing educators that goes into schools and is training them on on the whole school on how to deliver UDL, right? Universal design for learning all throughout the environment. What's clear from the quantitative research or the qualitative research we did interviewing educators, those educators that we had worked with for a year before the pandemic hit were far more ready for the pandemic. I mean, it, they were ready to, they had a mindset shift that was so critical that was barriers are here. Okay. I have a way to deal with that. I know what I'm doing because the barriers are always there. They were there before, but that, I think that's really, um, that, that research is incredible for us and it really energizes us and says, let's keep going with this because barriers are going to keep going. The product part of it has been for personally watching it for many years. It's been so, um, frustrating for me, to be honest, as a person, <laughs> as a human, um, because I um, am working with uh, the laws that govern it. I have often wanted states and school districts to use their power with vendors to demand accessible technologies and accessible products. They have the, their, the laws are there for them. They can be doing this and we need pressure put on the system, which is why your point initially about how that changed and how quickly we pivoted. It was wonderful to see. Um, and that is a spot where we must lean in and continue to do it because the, what is the, the single truth about what we now know and what we've known about accessibility for years, but especially after the pandemic, when we create for the margins, when we design, in our case, let's say, for people with disabilities to be able to access something, we actually open up for so many other people. 
And if you'll just indulge me, there's one example that we need to look at and that's really interesting. And it's just a global example. And it's really in the world of work. And that is Zoom and Teams, all the video conferencing, they build in captioning. And they, of course, created that for individuals with disabilities. And yet in during the pandemic, we saw massive use of captioning, far more than individuals with disabilities. And we, you know, there's people using it for all different reasons. Again, it's just another example of why our, if we focus on variability, we help everybody. So I'm hopeful that we can really build on the momentum of those, um, those who opened things up and keep pushing for our products to be better designed. Yes, yeah, so, and, and you mentioned uh, your teams going into schools. Can you give me a little more of like a, a day-to-day on what is accomplished in that? I mean, I, I think about, you know, we're not sponsored by Microsoft, but, you know, Microsoft has a huge number of tools that are already baked in. They're sitting there, and yeah. teachers just don't know they're there or how to use them. So is that part of what your team does when they go into a district or a school? Yes. I mean, this is incredible. So in the beginning of the pandemic, in the March, April, May of 2020, the top issue, the top concern question we were getting from educators and in the field, here's is what I would say. How do I turn on Google Classroom accessibility tools? How do I turn on the iPad? I mean, and parents were asking it too. And, you know, I was asking. (laughs) Yeah, right. That's a huge opportunity, I think, for us. And it tells us people don't know all of the incredible stuff that's built in. So, yes, our school and professional learning teams, they're working on multiple levels. They're working with mindset and designing um, uh, lessons, how to design lessons for many different learners in the classroom. And technology is a critical part of it. It's not the only part, but it, it absolutely for people with disabilities in particular, technology revolutionizes the world. It's more than just, wow, this is easy. It's, it's, oh, hey, this is cool. It's easier for me. It's, it's incredible access, but it really is, as I mentioned with the captioning example, we're all doing that. We're watching videos on our phone and we don't want to turn up the sound and we're reading the captions, you know, um, there's, there's many Siri. I look at my 14 year old son. And he will, he doesn't type a text, maybe occasionally he types the text, but he's using Siri in ways I'll never, or other types of voice, you know, technologies, I'll never kind of use those in the same way. So our professional learning teams are trying to say, change the mindset, create great, great uh, intentional lesson plans that are reaching in these three ways, you know, engagement, representation, action, and expression. Think of your lesson plan in that framework. Think of what technologies you can bring in to enhance each of those in the lesson to enhance the learning. So it's the approach and the intention mm-hmm. um, of the designer, which is essential here. Uh, yeah. And, and that brings in another aspect of it, um, which is the idea of, of equity, too, in terms of not just disability, but just a digital equity. And mm-hmm. when you talk about the captions, I've... I've had conversations about how that is great for English as a second language, or if you're learning a foreign language and you want to go. And uh, I watched my my son do his Spanish homework by listening to to movies in Spanish, right? Right. Absolutely. This, I mean, it's benefiting so many different people in different ways. And that's what I think is exciting about the work that's happening at CAST and where CAST can go, which is where 
what what UDL did when CAST invented universal design for learning, it it saw a market that wasn't there, right? It solved a problem that created a, a market, basically. What's the next place for us to do that? What's the next way? And all of it, the goal is equity and inclusion, equity and inclusion. Um, and, and it goes far beyond, um, just disability because no, because people with disabilities are intersectional, right? They, they have all types of identities. They're men, they're women, they're black, they're brown. They speak different languages. I mean, so all of us, I think in our society right now, we have a much better appreciation of, of all of our whole identity. And in terms of our, how we approach school and how we approach products, um, it's only a good thing. It's about inclusion and creating belonging and reaching the audiences in ways that we haven't before. So it, I think I'm excited about it. And I think that's a, a great frontier for universal design for learning and whatever is next, whatever else yeah. we need. But so for the industry side, when you, when you talk about that intention, um, where, where do you see their contribution to this? Uh, I mean, how should the industry change the way they approach and have intention towards their products and services for schools? Mm-hmm. User experience, focus on user experience, but, but it's the way we define user experience, right? Who is the user? And I think it's what I, it's similar to what I said with the factory model of education. When we started these laws, when we, when we initially passed the laws, we really did have like a bell curve idea. There's one, there's, there's going to be, we're trying to hit the middle, you know? (laughs) And I I would just say that like, that's the challenge for us and, and, and the great possibility for us as we look forward. And it's for products, services, all of it, but it's like rethinking Who's the user? How are they using it? How are they interpreting what I'm putting forward? And I, my argument that would be if you can expand in your mind who the user is, try to understand the barriers you're, that are, you're putting in place by assuming things about a user and not really thinking strategically who about all of the people who are using it then, um, you know, you need to change what you're doing. User experience has to be redefined to be broader and more inclusive and create a bigger sense of belonging for everybody. And I think that will grow the market. It will uh, certainly help our education system uh, reach more learners and use yeah. technology as a part of that. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's, that's good stuff. Well, let me ask you this then. Um, let's keep the glass half full. Pandemic con- continues to to go off into the uh, into the distance. Uh, the the fundings, the monies um, that are kind of coming into the industry. Uh, they say it's going to schools. It's going to the industry to help the schools. Um, in two or three years, where do you see um, this ability for us to change that? Um, that intention and, and change those approaches. Um, does it start with the industry? Does it start with the, the, the teacher? I mean, is this something that we, we should be uh, enabling from the bottom up or from the top down or, or for both? Kind of to, give me, give me a, uh, your new CEO horizon <laughs> vision. You know, I think it is, and this is the, what I feel I've learned as, as, as just about the job of CEO. It's all at once, right? That's the, 
that's the thing that is the hardest to manage, but it is all at once. And the scope of the problem also, I think, demands that type of solution. So we must think the industry needs to be focusing on user. Are we really defining? Are we, are we creating barriers by having an outdated definition of user? Or are we assuming things about the user that, that aren't accurate or aren't allowing us to expand and diversify the product and the market? At the same time, if we don't attend to our educators right now, uh, they are, we won't move anything forward. And I think there's always this push pull because it's like you, in many classrooms, when I talk with districts, there's a lot of people who are incredible educators and they're grabbing things off the internet. They're trying things out. They're experimenters. They're designing every day in their classroom. I think the vision for the future right now that we need to do is we've got to make like make somehow bridge the, this a little bit better, right? So that our educators are more supported by the tech and by all of the services and products. And they're not having to sort of start from scratch and jump on Pinterest for tomorrow's lesson. You know, they, they are connected with products and where the user experience for the educator is like, my whole goal is to help kids learn. And so I want a product that helps me do that. And my classroom today looks really different than the classroom looked 10 years ago, even. So I think that's where the, that finding that, how those two intersect at the same time is really where the excitement around um, the work is. And I know for CAST, it's about um, providing great professional learning to help educators with universal design for learning and intentionally creating those lesson plans for all um, different types of thinking and minds. And it is inventing new things, new ways to make sure we can reach all of our, um, all of our learners. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a, a very interesting time, hopefully a much more of a, a positive time. And it sounds that you certainly have your work cut out for you. So uh, I'll let you get back to that. And I appreciate you taking some time to share your insights. It was terrific. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much.